This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Take too long. But this morning we're going to talk about breaking down the walls. Most of us are probably familiar with the, the Israelites as they're uh, about to enter the promised land with uh, Joshua. You know, Moses has died. Joshua has been, has been designated by God to take his place, and he's going to lead Israel in. And, you know, uh, one of the first things that they have to, to face are the walls of Jericho. They stood as a, a symbol and really as an opposition to the purpose and the will of God for the Israelites to possess that land. And it wasn't until those walls were really broken down that Israel began to what? Move forward in the purpose and the plan of God. And for us at Passion Church, you know, my vision is for us to grow and to increase, not just for numbers sake, but for what? Reaching out to other people and fulfilling the purpose of God for Passion Church. Because, you know, if we didn't have a purpose, we would just go join somebody else. And, you know, and I believe this, that there are many good churches, there are many good churches in our city and in our area, and all of them are preaching Jesus, you know, and they're doing good things. But God has a purpose and a place for us, and we want to take that place and fulfill it, because I want to stand before the Lord and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Whether I'm, I'm the one with the five talents, or the one with the two, or just the one with the one. Even if I got one talent, I don't want to emulate the guy in the Bible that had one talent. Do you? I want to use it to glorify God to the best of my ability as God helps us. Amen? And it's not about nickels and noses. It's about us finding out what God has called us to do and moving forward in it. Amen? You know, Israel was made up of 12 tribes. Each one of them had their place and their part to play, didn't they? So somewhere in Christ's body, you individually, and we corporately call Passion Church, we have our place and our part. And that's all I want to do. Amen? I want Him to be glorified. I want Him to be exalted. I want Him to be seen. Like John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. Amen? So in the same way, we got to recognize any walls that may be present, that may have been erected, we talked about a little, some of these before, that would hinder our progress here at Passion Church. So today we want to look at some of these walls that we may need to break down if we're going to possess the purpose and, and, and go in and possess the place and fulfill the purpose God has for us. Let's look over there in Joshua, or just read a couple of scriptures here just to kind of set the background here. You know, Paul said this, he said that all the things that happened to Israel were recorded and written down for our example and for our admonition. Isn't that right? They were types and examples for us who are part of the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, and that we can look at them and we are to learn from what uh, the examples and the types that they represent, and by them we learn spiritual lessons. You know... All of us, you know, uh, you know, are, uh, hits different potholes and different things, but there's no use you hitting the same pothole I did. If I can tell you, hey, there's a pothole over there, you can miss that one, right? And if you can tell me, hey, you know what, there's a pothole over there, I can miss that one, can I? I may not miss all of them in my walk with life, but some of them I can miss. And God has given us a record of Israel coming out and possessing the land so that we can learn from their natural examples some spiritual lessons and hopefully we can avoid some of the things that they did not. Amen. So in Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, he's speaking here. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. To the, uh, to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wow. 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. After God said all this about what he was going to do and what he had promised and he was going to be with them, he said you still got to be what? Strong and courageous. How many of you found that to be true? Amen. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Wow. Doesn't sound like we're going on a picnic, does it? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So he's talking to Joshua here, and he's saying, Joshua, prepare your heart. Have the right attitude. And I found out that if we are going to fulfill the plan and purpose of God, both individually for our our families and for us as a family called Passion Church, that we have to have the right attitude or we'll never enter in. I mean, if we know anything about the previous lessons of, of the Israelites, that was the whole reason that the previous generation couldn't go in, wasn't it? Their heart attitude was wrong. They were full of fear and doubt. They did not trust God, so they couldn't go in. It wasn't that God didn't love them. He loved them. He did everything he could to encourage them. You be strong. You can be the generation, and you can go in. And you know, now that has come to us at Passion Church, our part and our place. God is saying, first thing is you have to do is prepare your heart. Have the right attitude. So I want to talk about some of the walls that we may have to look at personally or corporately and break down some of these walls before we can go forward. Now, as I was praying about this, you know, I know at first this is not going to seem like it makes any sense, but just give me a moment and hopefully I can explain it. But I was was preparing this message and getting it together, and the Lord says, He said, one of the things that creates a wall, He said, is like a log jam. I said, a log jam? I'm talking about walls, God. He said, it's like a log jam. Then you, you probably know what a log jam is, but let me just give you a short uh, definition. Is it? It's an immovable tangle of logs creating a blockage. You know, when, uh, especially in the early days when they begin to cut down timber and the trees and everything and get them to the sawmills and everything, most of them were floated down rivers. And so they would have hundreds, sometimes thousands of these logs, and they would be floating down the river. And what would happen is that sometimes they would hit some underground snags in the river, or sometimes there would be eddies or different things, or maybe rocks jutting out or different things, and it would cause the logs to pile up. And they'd get all twisted and turned, and as long as they were twisted and turned and, and all jammed up like that, there was no progress. They weren't going anywhere. And, and, and the Lord told me that sometimes these log jams could be uh, described this way. It could be a, God's purpose versus our preferences. And, you know, we all have opinions, preferences, and ideas about God's will, about what God wants to do, about the way that God wants to do it. Come on. Every intelligent person, that's not, that's not a negative. That's just the fact, you know what that shares, that you are a, an intelligent person who, uh, you know, who is serious about your walk with God and your purpose in God, and that's to be commended. But sometimes our preferences can get elevated above God's purpose, and all of a sudden, we got all these logs going different ways, and there's no progress being made. I want to do it this way. Somebody else wants to do it that way. Somebody else wants to go this way. Somebody else wants to go that way. Now, I found it interesting in just doing a little research about log jams that when these logs were floated down river, they would have, uh, usually have men that just floated down with them. And I kind of got this picture. They were kind of like log shepherds. 
Come on. Because what would happen was when there would be a, a, a log jam would begin or something begin to take place, these guys would go over and they would begin to what? They would begin to free the logs and, and straighten them out and get them pointed downstream again. And see, as long as they could keep the log jams you know, you know, broken up and everybody pointed downstream, progress can be made. And part of the responsibility as a shepherd really is just to try to help, you know, keep the, uh, the log jams broken up and saying, let's go this way. Doesn't mean I have all the answers. Holy cow. Don't put that on me. That's way over my pay grade. He's the one has got all the answers. Amen. But nevertheless, that's part of my function. It's just a, this, is, this is the way, you know, okay, here's where we're going. Here's where we're going. We're getting everybody pointed in the same way, in the same direction. And, you know, there's nothing new about this. Look over, if you will, back over in the New Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians. See, purpose produces unity. Preferences will get us in a log jam. Amen. Now, Cindy can tell you, I love coconut. Coconut cake, coconut pie, coconut macaroons, coconut on coconut. I just love coconut. That's my preference. That's just a thing I like, you know. And I've got two boys who can't stand coconut. I thought, how can that be? Isn't that right? We all have preferences. You probably have a favorite food or a favorite dessert, you know. Uh, it's that way when it comes to spiritual things. You probably got a preference about your worship music and, and maybe uh, the, the way you like to, to pray or spend time with God or do your devotion. We all have preferences, and that's fine. There's, there's a place for that. Diversity is important. Paul said this, if the whole, the body, all the body was one eye, wouldn't that be a strange-looking thing? He said, where would be the hearing? Where would be the feet? Where would be the mouth? So God's not against diversity. When we talk about us all moving together, it doesn't mean that you're not, there's not a diversity. I mean, you came here this morning in your body. Your body's made up of all kind of diversity, isn't it? You've got arms, legs, fingers, internal organs. They're all doing different things. But you, weren't you glad they were all moving in the same direction? Amen. Otherwise, you've got a problem, don't you? And so here in 1 Corinthians, let me get over there. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Now, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, I, I love to look at the Corinthian church because God just put it out here, you know, them, as I say, warts and all. You know, God's not insecure. He can put in here even the imperfections of the apostles and, and different churches, and, you know, it doesn't bother him a bit. And I, for one, am glad that he did. Otherwise, boy, it would be tough, wouldn't it? Because it's real easy to look at these great men and women of faith in the Bible, and man, you, you get to looking at them, and you look at you, and you look at them. But I'm so glad that, that God, not, not that we're trying to be critical of them, but we realize that they didn't do it perfect, but yet somehow God was still able to use them. So that gives me hope. <laughs> Amen. That gives me encouragement. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and in and, and verse 10, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, the reason he had to say this is because if you read in the context there, they were, all of them had preferences about their favorite Bible teacher. Oh, well, man, Paul, man, I mean, you know, Paul, man, he got his direct from the Lord. He was out there in the wilderness three years. He got it by revelation. Yeah, but I'm following Cephas. I'm following Peter. He actually walked with the Lord. Oh, well, you know, but yeah, but you haven't heard anybody. Do you hear Apollos teach? I mean, he is an amazing communicator. You read it. That's what they were doing. What were they doing? They had their preferences taking place of the purpose, and they were all in a log jam. And Paul writes to him, and he says, listen, you got to get this straightened out. He said, you're not going to make any progress. You're not going to grow spiritually. You're not going to be able to, to be uh, effective as God wants you in your community, in your city, until you get this straightened out. 
And so Paul comes along like one of those guys riding down, you know, uh, on the river on those logs. And he said, let me clear up this log jam here. He said, I want to get you all pointed in the same direction. And he said, that is this. He said, it's Jesus Christ. He said, he's the center. It's his will and his purpose. It's following his example and what he has taught and what he is saying. And he really, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he really just said this. He said, we're all just mouthpieces for Jesus Christ. He said, it's the message in the person of Christ, not the personalities of your preferences. That is good, isn't it? (laughs) And so, you know, the church at Corinth, you know, they had to get some things straightened out before they could move forward. And it may be that we also, you know, I know, you know, we're meeting here, you know, we don't have our own building, you know, we have to get here early. People have to pick up the trailer. They unpack the trailer. They put the stuff up. Then when we get through, we pack up the stuff and we fill up. And, you know, in the kids' room and all that, you know. Listen, that's not my preference. Come on. Can I be honest with you? And I guarantee you, all the, all the crew and the team that comes here early, although they do it gladly, they do it with a great attitude, they absolutely do, I guarantee it's not their preference. But you know, we are following what we believe to be God's purpose. And so right now, this is a snapshot. This is not the destination, Passion Church. See, the problem Uh, with the Israelites is that they could never see beyond their present circumstance. And see, that's a wall that has to be torn down in our individual hearts and minds and in us collectively. This is not, we're not where we're going to, to land. We're not, this is not our destination. This is not all that God is going to give us. We're going to reach more people and you are going to be a vital part of it. I'm not going to do it all by myself. I can't do it all by myself. It's not God's purpose that I do it all by myself. Maybe there's some of those out there. You see those great people on TV or packing the house, and man, God bless them. Great. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I don't get, they don't bother me. Man, I ride by and some people say, well, what in the world we need another church for? I said, well, is everybody saved yet? I'm not going to complain. Man, if they're preaching Jesus, I'm for them. Come on. I'm not in competition with my brothers and sisters. I'm not in competition. I'm a compliment. I have a part. They have a part. Their part may be bigger than mine. That's okay. That doesn't bother me. I just want to be faithful doing what I want to do. I have, it's all I can do to just, you know, under God to keep up with my own self. I can't, you know, I can't keep a whole body of Christ straightened out. Boy, that's way over my pay grade. If I understand the Bible at all, I believe that's the head of the churches. That's his problem. <laughs> and he's the one that's able to correct it, isn't he? Amen. In his time and not in my time. So everyone moving in the same direction gets us to our destination. We come into harmony. We come to agreement that God is doing something in us and through us and that it's something that each one of us has a vital part to play. And we've talked about that before in other lessons, so I can't get into that. But we talk about connecting, building relationships. If this is where God has placed you and you know it, then, you know, plant your feet and say, you know, I'm not going to be moved. Not by my preferences, not by my inconvenience, not by any of those things. I am where God wants me. I'm going to put my hand to the plow, and I'm going to do my part. We talked about building relationships, serving, praying, telling other people about Jesus, giving. Those are things that all of us have a responsibility to do our part. Amen? And so when we get moving in the same direction, we're going to make progress. Amen? And I believe God has progress for us to make. Don't you? Absolutely. Listen to this from the Good News Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to this. By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to all of you, my friends, to agree in what you say so that there will be no divisions among you. Wow, no divisions. Be completely united 
with only one thought and one purpose. And what is that? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say, build a big church. Now, I'm not one of those. I don't have a problem if people have got a big structure, but that's not my purpose. I'm not here to build a big church. I'm here to make disciples. Amen. We're here to see people reached with the gospel, to see lives changed, to see people grow spiritually to the place to where what? They begin to reproduce. Amen. And if, and if I do that, you know, I, I mentioned this before, where, where, where are all the churches that Paul planted? Where's the church at Ephesus? Where's the church at Corinth? Where are all those churches at? I'm looking at part of it because the church is not a building. It's people. And we, if you trace yourself back, all the way back, you know what? We're going to trace ourselves back to people that Paul and Peter and others made disciples who 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 made disciples. It come right on down to our generation. Isn't that right? So I'm looking at the fruit of the church at Ephesus, at Laodicea, at Rome, at different places. Isn't that right? It's not about a structure, people. It's not about a building. It's about people. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Delays can be one of these walls that we might uh, have to tear down. And delays usually come because resistance to change. What kept Israel from fulfilling her purpose earlier? Why was she in the wilderness for 40 years? Delayed. God's purpose delayed. That wasn't God's best. That's not what God intended for them to do. He intended to bring them there in His time, but once they got there, that generation was to go in and take the land, wasn't it? But here's the thing. We all, as human beings, in various degrees, do not like change. Change, change is messy. Change is inconvenient. Change messes up my schedule. Change is, usually indicates extra work. I don't want to change. You know. And, you know, so, we, you know, because of that, you know, we... We were resistant to change like Israel was resistant to change. So what? We delay the purpose of God. And so as we delay the purpose of God, then the next thing you know, the enemy comes and we begin to doubt the purpose of God. We don't want to take risk. If you're afraid of change, you'll be afraid of taking risk. You know, we talked about, remember uh, Peter getting out of the boat? That was a pretty big risk, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I don't know too many people that get out of a boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a a sea somewhere. That's not usually what we would call wisdom, is it? But he took a risk. Now, here's the thing. Somebody said, yeah, but he sank. Yeah, but he also walked. And see, that's a good picture of risk. When we go, I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about just, you know, just acting, going off half crazy or something, but I'm talking about we pray, we have God's Word, we have the witness of the Spirit, we're in this thing together. So you understand when I'm talking about risk, I'm not just talking about we just pop up, first thing pops in our head, we're going to go do it. I'm not saying that. You know, you that belong here, you're a part of this church, you know that. But nevertheless, risk is that way. You walk some, and sometimes you say, Jesus, save me. Because if you don't take any risk, you're not going to make any progress. And, you know, if you want to step out, there's always that thing that what? You know, I could be a wet water walker. I walk on the water, but I got wet. But you know what? Jesus was right there to pick him up, wasn't he? And they walked back to the boat. So he got to walk twice. That's more than I've walked. <laughs> I haven't walked on the water. Every time I step in the water, I sink. But it's about risk-taking. That's what faith is. It's a, it's a venture with God. 
And here's the thing I've learned about after uh, 36 years, I'm in my 37th year of ministry, after all these times and different things, I found out failure is not fatal. If you fail, it will not kill you. (laughs) Amen? Because sometimes, see, we can be so afraid of missing it and doing it wrong. We don't get it right and everything that we never take any risk at all in God. It's a fear of risk-taking. Look over, if you will, back. Let's look at in Numbers. We want to look at another example here. <clears throat> Numbers 13. Now, we're going back to the previous generation of the Israelites. This is the generation before what we read just a minute ago. In Joshua 1, you know the story. I'll just kind of sum it up. The, the, the Israelites, the generation that came out of Egypt, now they're at Jordan. They're getting ready. God's getting them ready, saying, okay, I want you to go in, you know, and possess the land, your purpose. You're getting ready to really move into your purpose now. I've got you positioned now you're going to fulfill your purpose. And they sent the spies in. You know about the ten spies. And they, they sent them in. So we're going to pick it up when they, when they come back. Numbers 13. <clears throat> let's, let's back up to 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported them into the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. That's what God had said. Here is the fruit, but. Well, they was doing good to the but. You know, I found out a lot of people are doing, are, were doing real well in their walk with God, but then they got into the but. But. <laughs> The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. With every opportunity that God gives us in His purpose, there will always be a but. God doesn't just have, you know, the apples and the fruit just fall on you, you know, and you're just kind of taking it easy, and man, I'm telling you, I'm under the shade tree with my hammock, isn't this great? With every opportunity, with every uh, promise that God gives you, there's going to be a but. There's going to be some opposition. I mean, this is clear. The Bible says, he says, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say rest the good, you know, the good vacation of rest. He said fight the good fight of faith. He said you wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against something, don't we? principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, he said. He said, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified walls and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived there and the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and all the ites and bites. Then Caleb silenced the people before the, Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Wow. What is this fruitcake guy doing in here? I mean, we're all in agreement that we're going, you know, we can't do it. And he got, always there's one in every crowd. (laughs) I sure hope there's more than one in this crowd. That you've got the spirit of Caleb on you and said, listen, we're going to go up and go do it. Because see, as they ventured out in their purpose or were prepared to, they were looking, the, the, the tenth by, the majority of them were looking at the wrong thing. They were looking in the wrong direction. And see, when you're in transition, when you're in the progress of fulfilling God's purpose and you look at the wrong thing, you can get discouraged. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know. you know, it's like the Israelites. I thought we'd be there in a couple of weeks. Isn't that right? Oh, surely we'll be there in no time at all. It's going to be easy, isn't it? Not. 
And see, we get this idea because we hear the promises of God and those promises are meant to, to, to buoy up our hope and to strengthen our faith and to give us something to look at, you know, in the midst of the journey when it gets difficult, when, it, when, when uh, uh, you know, the, the giants are showing up and everything is not going exactly the way we thought it would. You ever, you ever in following God for your, for your own personal life and everything, how many of you it's ever gone just exactly the way you thought it? I mean, it just, I mean, exactly. No, me either. There's always been some surprises. There's always been some turns. You know, if it were me, I'd just say, okay, God, I'm here and you want me there. Okay, just translate me like you did Philip. He said, I am, but it's going to be a step at a time. <laughs> different, I got a different mode of transportation for you. <laughs> Amen. All right. Notice he says here, allowing, we allow circumstances, which is what happened to the children of Israel. They allowed their circumstances to obscure their purpose. And you know, as we're following God, as we're moving along in God's plan and purpose for us, individually and corporately, there's going to be circumstances along the way at times. And you know, if you just look at the circumstance just in and of itself without a context, are you listening to me? Just like in the Bible, you can take a, people can take a scripture, you can take scripture out of context and make it say anything just about, can't you? But see, as we're following God and He's leading us by His Spirit and by His Word, you know, we can come up against a circumstance and we just look at that circumstance in and of itself without the context of everything, we can misinterpret it. We can misrepresent it. And we can make it to be bigger than it really is. You know, I've told you this before, you know, uh, I remember, you know, it's all about perspective, isn't it? Context and perspective. I can take my index finger, and if I get the right perspective, I can hide the Empire State Building behind it. Especially if all I'm looking at is my finger. But, you know, the closer I get to the Empire State Building, my perspective, all of a sudden... From what I thought was accurate out here, when I get closer to God's purpose, when I get closer to God's promise and God's word, when I get closer to it, all of a sudden my circumstance comes into proper context. And I can say, just like Caleb said, man, yeah, this giants is big, but who are they compared to God? They're big, but God's bigger. Yeah, these circumstances are real, and, and they're pretty daunting. But you know what? When I look at them in context, the context of faith, the context of God's promise, the context of God's hope He's put in my heart, I'm telling you what, they get down to their proper size. Amen? Amen. Amen. You better know it. So we don't allow our circumstances to obscure our purpose. Thirdly, denial. We're talking about breaking down walls. Refusal. To recognize or acknowledge. That's what denial means. And I call it this, the we're okay syndrome. You know, you know, human beings, and I, I've learned this both personally and just from observation, but human beings, uh, some of the marvelous things God made about us, one of the things is, is that we are very good at adapting. You know, I, I mean, you know, we just kind of, can get in our comfort zone, even though it began out as a discomfort zone. But, you know, maybe discouragement, maybe fear, something keeps us locked into a place too long. And before long, we can say, well, you know, it's not that hot out here. You know, and I'm kind of getting used to this manna. Man, that banana bread you made the other night was really good. And you had manna cotti? It's not so bad. <laughs> and we can get that okay. You know, it's not too bad. It's, you know, I, I like it when it's, you know, about this size. I can know everybody. You know, we don't have any new people coming in and messing up the way we do things. 
with new ideas and newfangled ideas. <laughs> I call it the we're okay syndrome. And you know, the, the, the children of Israel on the way to the promised land, they got a big dose of that, you know. You know, I mean, think about it. They were slaves. Their fathers and mothers were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. Their great-great-grandparents, because they were there for hundreds of years, they were slaves. And they got to the point that we're saying, you know what? Let's go back to Egypt. Slavery wasn't so bad. Wow. That's a bad case of the we're okays. You know, it wasn't so bad. At least we had leeks and onions to eat. But here's the thing. See, faith never looks back. See, when you start looking back, the lens of faith is focusing forward. So you are no longer looking through the lens of faith. You're looking back. You know, with a telescope, if you look at the moon compared to your naked eye, it's a whole different picture. You ever looked? had the opportunity to look through a telescope at the moon. You see, if you look with the naked eye, you look out there, it looks as smooth as a pancake. But when you look through that telescope, you see there's mountains there, there's craters there, it's all pocked up and everything. And see, faith is like a telescope that God gives us. And when we look through it, we can see beyond and see details for our future, the future plans that God has for us. But as soon as we stop looking through that, we either see our circumstances or we start looking back and we get into this I'm okay syndrome. You know, we read there when we first introduced uh, the message today about getting ready to cross Jordan. And you know the story that when they got ready to cross Jordan, Jordan was at flood tide. Why does God always pick the worst situations to do these things? I mean, couldn't you at least wait I mean, when there was a drought? And, you know. Because, see, we look at things from a human perspective. And we think, oh, from a human perspective, this would be easier than that. But from a God perspective, it's all easy. God don't know hard. Are you listening to me? God doesn't know hard. He, he, he don't get hard. I mean, He doesn't know difficult. He doesn't know impossible. Isn't that what Jesus said? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And with Him, all things shall be possible. And for those who believe, all things are possible. Amen. So crossing Jordan, when they got ready to cross Jordan, we won't read it there for the sake of time, but you can look in Joshua 3, in uh, verse 15, it was at flood stage. That means it was out of its banks. You ever seen a river at flood when it's flooded? Maybe you saw it on TV. Hopefully you've never experienced it because a flood is a, it's a horrific thing to go through. But it was all out of its banks and everything. And God says, okay, get everybody lined up, Joshua. Get everybody ready. We're going to cross over. Whoa, whoa, where's the boats? Hey, Moses, we got a committee together, and we think we know where there's some wood. And we could build us some boats. He said, no. He said, we're going to cross over. And, man, here they go. They've got the, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God for them at that, that, that stage in God's plan for man. And the, the Ark of the Covenant was going before them and all. And it was that flood. And it said, as soon as their feet was in the water. Not close to the water. Almost in the water. Thinking about getting in the water. Imagining what it would be like to get in the water. No, it says as soon as their feet was in the water, something began to happen. Commitment is an act. It's not a feeling. Oh, I feel so committed to the people at Passion Church. Well, we're glad that you do. But commitment is an act. Oh, I just love the Lord. I love Him. I love Him. I'm glad that you do. But, you know, commitment to the Lord is an act, isn't it? 
It's obedience. It's, it's faith. It's trusting Him. It's stepping out before the waters are divided. Mm. See, that, that's contrary to human thinking. Isn't it true? But you know what? That can be a wall. Oh, I'll tell you what, boy. As soon as God drops a million dollars on me, man, I'm going to finance something. Well, what are you doing with the 10 he has given you? Come on. Boy, as soon as everything gets just right. Listen, everything's not going to get just right. You ever notice how hard it is to line up 10 ducks? Try it sometime. If you know a friend that's got some ducks, say, hey, I want to experiment something. Can I come over to your duck farm? I want to see if I can get 10 ducks in the line at the same time. Tell me how that works out for you. Man, those quackers are everywhere, aren't they? Man, it's hard to do it. It's hard to be in control. And listen, you know, I I know we're all different, but all of us to varying degrees as human beings, we like to be in control. I know I do. It's something I have to, you know, when it comes to God, I have to work at because I I like being in control. I like knowing that the sun's going to come up in the east again. It's not going to come up in the north. We, we like routine, don't we? I, we do. We like to be able to count on things. But there's sometimes, as, as we're walking with God, that, that as we, we step out, that we're going to have to use our faith and trust God when it don't look normal. Today, in this particular case, this is, this is the new normal right now. Mm. All right. Then one more. We're going to look at here real quick. Decisions. We need to make a decision. We said commitment is an act. Decision is the act or the need for making up one's mind. James over there in in his epistle in chapter 1, he gives us a good description of what I call the tug of war of indecision. Have you ever been in a place where you you were struggling about making a decision? Just me. Okay. I'll be the fall guy again. But, you know, it, it's, you, ever seen, you ever been involved or seen somebody do, you know, what we call a tug of war? You know, you got uh, uh, some people on this end of the rope and some people on that end of the rope. And everybody's trying to pull each other across a mark there. And so you're pulling this way and I'm pulling that way. That's, that's kind of the way it is with indecision. When your indecision gets a hold of you, it gets a hold of your mind, then you're in trouble. Let me read this translation from the God's Word. Listen to this. A person who has doubts shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. A person who has doubts is thinking about two different things at the same time and can't make up his mind. You know the story of the prophet with Baal over there in the Old Testament. You know, they, they're up on Mount Carmel, and they're all gathered together, and they've got all these hundreds of prophets of Baal, and there's nobody there but the one prophet. And he tells Israel, he said, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God, if Baal be God, serve Baal. But if God's God, serve God. Indecision. It will get you nowhere. You know, I've told you this example before of indecision. I'm going to that chair right there. What is it, about three feet, three and a half feet? I'm going to get there. I'm going right there. Yes, sirree. One of these days, I'm going to get to that chair. Man, God promised me the chair. I'm going to get there. It's right there. How long is it going to take me to get there doing this? I'm going to drop where I stand. And that's what indecision is about. Bless God. God said it. I don't know. Yeah, he's, I don't know. When I look now. And so we have to decide. Commitment is an act. We have to decide you know, are we all in? Amen. All in. Let me read you a scripture here. In Mark 12, Jesus, now I'm, I'm quoting Jesus, so don't, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. Mark 12, Jesus talked about what all in looks like. All in. Mark 12. Look, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's all in. That's all in. 
And God wants each of us to be all in. First and foremost, all in for Him, of course, for His kingdom, for His purpose. But if this is, this is where God has put us, we need to be all in for God's purposes here at Passion Church, don't we? We get all, you say, how do you get all in? Begin to build relationships. Amen. Begin to take your place in prayer. Begin to find a place to serve and use the gifts God's given you. Begin to give of your time, your talents, and your treasures. And then as you have opportunity, tell others. Tell others about Jesus. First about Jesus. Tell them about Passion Church is great, but tell them about Jesus. That's first. Amen. If you do that, see, you know what? You're all in with the purpose of Passion Church. And here's the thing. Where there's life, there's growth. We don't have to get in somebody, some high-powered preacher or come up with some really clever marketing plans and all that. You know what? If there's life, there will be growth. Isn't that right? We talked about a life-giving church. If there's life that's flowing in us and through us, we will grow. Amen? And I'm looking to grow disciples, not just a crowd. Amen? People who are hungry for God. People whose lives have been touched by God and are continuing to grow and are, God's using them to touch other people. Don't wait till you've got it all together before you begin to tell people. God uses imperfect people. Don't fall into that trap. Oh, well, you know, as soon as I, this happens or as soon as that happens or as soon as I'm, you know. I understand that, that there needs to be some spiritual growth about some things. But you know what? Just go tell them what God's done for you. That's what the blind guy did, didn't he? He said, oh, I said, he said, I don't know about all that, you know, because the Pharisees tried to bog him down with all kinds of theology and everything. And he said, well, I don't know about all that. But he said, I'm not a theologian. But he said, I'll tell you this. I was once blind. Now I can see. <laughs> Boy, they, they could, with all their theology, they couldn't argue with that, could they? All I can tell you is this is what Jesus has done to me. This is how my life's changed since he's come in, into my life. And since, since I put my faith in him, this is how my life has changed. You can't argue with that. They might not like it. That's not your problem. But here's the thing, they can't argue with that. So all in. So faith really is the will to act. Somebody says, what is faith? It's the will to act. It's deciding something. Amen? Some action points that I give you, and then we're going to pray and let you go here in just a couple of minutes. First of all, and this is for those who say this is, Passion Church, this is where I belong. And if you're visiting, if you have a home church, it would be where you belong. Am I moving in the right direction with my attitude, speech, and actions? Remember we talked about the log jam? And see, uh, as soon as you start, you know, talking about, well, I think we ought to do this, and I think we ought to do that, and I don't know why we're doing this, and I don't know why we're doing that, and, and, and then the next one says, yeah, and I don't like this, and I don't like where we're at. You're going to create a logjam. If there's something that you think, well, maybe this is not just right, go talk to God in prayer first. You know? Somebody says, you know, I keep trying to tell people this, that, and the other, and they don't listen to me. Well, you know what? Go find out what God says, and then bring them what God says. This is, this is, this is what I believe in prayer. But, you know, here's the thing. We need to adjust our attitudes, adjust our thinking if we need to, and get moving in the right direction. Amen? Then, am I willing to accept change when needed? Because we're on a journey, folks. We're not on a cruise ship. We're on a journey. And sometimes there's going to be, need some change is going to be needed. It might not always be pleasant. Sometimes it might be pleasant, but it may not always. It won't be convenient. It won't be your preference. It wouldn't be what I would like. It wouldn't be what you would like. But you know what? It's all about what he would like. And then thirdly, decide once and for all that you're all in. I'm all in, God. Whatever you want to do, I'm all in. I'm with Him. Amen? Amen? You're not with me, except that we're all in this together. We're with Him. 
Amen? We're following Him. We're following His purpose. We're following His plan for us here at Passion Church. Amen? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful that you have called us, saved us by the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. And you've made us a part of your family and your body. And in that body, each of us have a place, a part, a function. And Lord, I thank you that you're uniting all of our hearts that you've called to be a part, an expression of your church called Passion Church, that, Father, we would have one heart and one mind and one purpose to honor you, to please you, and to fulfill your call on us to go and make you known, to make disciples. Father, I thank you for all your people here that are called by your name. Father, may we find that that place, that part. May we take up your call upon us to be all in for you. While heads are bowed, if you're here this morning and you have never made Jesus Lord, by that I mean you've never come into a relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Every one of us, from the pastor down, have sinned and come short of God's glory, God's holiness. But God made a way of escape. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life. He went to a place called Calvary. And there at Calvary, He shed His blood. He poured out His life for the remission of our sins. And the Bible says now that whoever will call on Him and put their faith in Jesus as Savior, will be forgiven, will be justified. That means what? In right relationship and a part of God's family. If you've never made that decision and you'd like to this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. We won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you before I dismiss. Would you just put your hand up and I'll know I'm praying for you anywhere in the room. I want to give an opportunity for anybody. Okay. All right, I don't see any hands, so we're going to believe everybody here is saved this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.